Look with me at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Now, I didn't know about these. I haven't talked to anyone who had those situations. But the Lord knows things that we don't know. (laughs) Lots of stuff that we don't know. And sometimes when you get, you know, and you take time and you just wait and you listen, you start becoming aware you know, you could, we could be technical about it, and, you know, it's a word of knowledge, but sometimes it's just you become aware of things that your mind can't naturally know, but you pick it up in the Spirit. You know, many of us have operated that way without necessarily stopping and going, <gasps> word of knowledge, I sense one coming on, you know. <laughs> You're just going through life, and sometimes you'll deal with things, and you'll just say, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that, you know, and, and what, what, how, how did you know that? You can't logically explain it, but you just knew it. Well, you have an unction, 1 John two twenty says, of the Holy One, and you know all things. So you've got a knower on the inside. It's the Spirit of God communicating with your spirit, and by Him you know things. And as we go, as we go along, bam, you know things. It's interesting to me. I I said this uh, in one of the services on Sunday, but this happens somewhat regularly. I've never really determined a percentage of the time, but often on a Sunday morning or sometimes other days too. uh, But I'll get up and literally as I'm, I mean, I'm totally tired and, you know, asleep still kind of, you know, but I'm getting up and I'll get a whole illustration that's like big. And like in detail, in a second. And it's like, then I go walking, you know, thinking about it. Then I realize, oh, that's really good. (laughs) But you know, the Spirit of God can communicate something to us instantly. Or instantly, you, you know, you went from I know nothing to I know a whole bunch. And uh, anyway, uh, in in 1 Corinthians 10... Uh, Paul writing to this church is uh, giving them a bunch of examples from the Old Testament of things that Israel did and how that turned out. You know, and he, he says that they were given to us as, as examples, uh, these different things. Um, in ver- that's verse, verse 6. Uh, things that they did wrong and how they lusted after evil things. And he told them not to become idolaters, which was a big problem. Now, those, some, some of those kind of things can still be problems in people's lives today, even though we may not be so apt to set up a little statue and, uh, you know, and bow down to it, you know, or create a golden calf or, you know, something like that and, and, <laughs> and, and worship a, a, an image of that kind. But people still have that, that same spirit will... Uh, affect people today, and so they still worship things other than the Lord, and it still uh, can be a problem. He told them not to become idolaters, not to be sexually immoral. He said, "Don't tempt Christ." He said, "Don't complain." And all the he, he kept telling them, "They did this, and they're destroyed." They did this. They complained. Yeah, and they were destroyed for that. And uh, and he kept telling them, uh, you know, basically explaining what they did and what the repercussions were. And then he said, again, verse 11, all these things happened as examples. 
and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. So even though they lived under a different time, a different covenant, and we have a much better covenant, he still pointed to what they did wrong and said, don't act like they did. Even though you're under grace, even though you're forgiven, that's what they did and that's what happened to them. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Okay, in other words, it it, it seems to me there were some individuals there in that church and he's writing to them, giving them these examples, and they were um, not, quote, taking heed. In other words, they thought they they were good. What do I mean by that? I would say it this way. They were uh, satisfied with and leaning upon their own ability to stand. Okay? They were, they were, very, they were intellectual. Uh, they had figured it out. They had figured out how to live, how to conduct themselves, and, and how, how to do these things. And he said, you guys better watch out. You lean in on the wrong thing, you're going to fall. You need to take heed lest you fall. That's when he goes on verse 13 and says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so again it goes to this. Whatever their temptation was, they were to lean on the ability of God, the escape that he would make. To have victory and not, not just their own um, experience, their own accomplishments, their own expertise, their own knowledge. Uh, remember he wrote to them and said, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And they had a tendency, I think like many of us, to re- rely upon our own you know, strength, our own ability, our own experience, our own know-how to overcome in situations. He said, don't do that. He said, you better watch out. You're going to end up on your butt. Take heed. Watch out. And that's why he gave them all, all, all the examples of, of these guys. He said, they fell into all these things. But if anything comes your way, uh, don't worry. God's faithful. Not, not you be faithful. Of course, we should be faithful. That's not a bad word. But he didn't say, you just be faithful. He said, no, God is faithful. And he's not going to allow anything to come at or against you beyond what you're capable of overcoming. But through him, right? He's going to make a way of escape. Praise God. So, you know, good news. uh, No matter what it is, there's always a way out. Say, no, this one's too big. I cannot figure it out. No, there is a way out. God is faithful. And if there wasn't, if he didn't have an answer for it, if he didn't have a deliverance, a freedom from it, a victory over it, he would never even allow it to happen in your life. That's the one place that he steps in and draws a line and said, nope, Mr. Devil, you can't do that. <laughs> no, t- This temptation, no, they're not able, so I'm not allowing it to happen. And so we know, we know this. Just, this is a basic truth that whatever happens... Whatever goes on, whether we saw it coming, whether we didn't see it coming, there's a way of escape. There is a grace to give victory and and give us uh, victory over the situation. Every time. Or it couldn't have happened. Yeah. So, just the fact that it happened proves, is evidence all by itself, that there's an answer for it. There's a victory over it. Any physical problem, just the very fact that it happened, that's evidence right there. That there's a healing for it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Anyway, he went on to say, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, how many know flee is different than resist? Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like that. What's the, uh, the, the, um, the other scripture? It's actually, remember, the smallest sin in the Bible. You know what that is? Flee fornication. Yeah. But let's let that play out a little bit. Different spelling. All right. But that's what Paul also wrote to Timothy. And he told him, he told him flee. In other words, run from fornication. Here he said, flee idolatry. Now, how many know the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you? See, there's, there's certain things that should be resisted and certain things that we should run from. When it comes to getting involved with idolatry, or you could say, or fornication, those type of things, we're not going to stand up against it and say, I resist you. I resist you in Jesus' name. No, we are going to get out of there. <laughs> huh? Not going to have some mental warfare. I'm stronger than you. <clears throat> Take heed, my brother, unless you fall. There's some situations where you just get out. You turn your back and say, uh, see ya. Amen. So he said, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So you can see the comparison. For we, for we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? In other words, the tribe of Levi, when they would uh, be making the sacrifices, them and them alone, they were able to uh, eat uh, of the sacrifices. It's, it's the... One of the New Testament correlations would be those who are in, those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That's why uh, there are those in the body of Christ that it's right for them to have their livelihood come from the offerings of people. Okay. Uh, anyway, he, he said, verse 19, what am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to an idol th- is anything? Rather, uh, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to demons and not to God I do not want you to have fellowship with demons how many know demonic fellowship is bad right you know I was uh, well I guess it was yesterday uh, talking with the staff and Pastor PJ had mentioned uh, as we were just discussing he mentioned something that I had said in in at one of the services on Sunday and 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 actually, he had to bring it to my attention because when he did, I remembered saying it. But I, it was one of those, you know, extra things that I didn't plan. But I had I had mentioned uh, fellowshipping with the wrong spirit. All right. Uh, sometimes people are fellowshipping with the wrong spirit. I don't think they're in uh, usually now intentionally doing that. Just like his discussion here about uh, uh, communion and so forth with idols. And again, this discussion goes back to they always had issues with food that was offered to idols and should they eat it and, and, and what should they, you know, and they always fussed about those kind of things and some would say no and some would say yes and he, Paul would say the idol is nothing and, 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 but then it comes down to the, what it represents and here's the bottom line. 
their idols, they were nothing. They're little statues that are no gods, even though they thought they were gods. But, you know, he said here what they were doing. He said they were, they're actually, when they're given sacrifice to these idols, even though they weren't anything, he said they're actually sacrificing to demons. Now think about that. That what they were doing, they thought it was for a god, yet it was a demon that they were sacrificing to. They didn't think that. They didn't recognize that. But that was the truth. That when they're sacrificing to idols, they were fellowshipping with demons. All right? And, 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 and here's the thing that, that comes to play in our lives. Uh, it would be important for us to recognize not only the outward, but behind the scenes. You, you know uh, Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. He said your battle, what you're dealing with, what you're wrestling with, is not people. It is the spirits that operate behind people. I mean, no, we should always be aware of that whenever an individual is coming against us. If something happens, someone attacks you, uh, the wrong thing to do is attack back in the flesh. We, among all people of the earth, should recognize and be conscious of continually that there are two realms. There is the flesh realm, flesh and blood, and then there is the spirit realm. There are the things of God. There are also things that are evil. Okay, they, when it came to them eating food offered to idols and stuff, he said the big deal is here is you don't want to have communion or fellowship with evil spirits, with demons. Everybody with me now? I don't know if you've ever recognized this or had the Lord deal with you about it. But being involved in some things that the Lord will deal with you not to. Uh... And it's because of this spiritual origination of what that thing is. I know some, some would say, well, you know, in our covenant of grace, the Lord would never tell us not to do anything. Uh, I don't agree with that. I really don't. Because if I have a friend or a family member and they're about to, you know, they're about to run into a backyard with a wild pit bull, I'm going to tell them not to go in there. You know, I'm not trying to harm them or limit them. or I'm trying to save them some trouble. <laughs> I think the Lord also would deal with us even though we're free in Christ and He may, lets us make choices. But if we're about to make a wrong choice, we're going the wrong path, He will deal with us. And there'll be a no, don't go there, don't do that. That would be, that's harmful. Okay, and sometimes people get involved with certain things, and and we, and we were having this discussion then yesterday based on on some of this, and I, I said I remember, uh, well, this was quite a while ago, a very popular movie series um, that was, uh, and I'll just leave the name out right now because whatever, uh, but I remember going to a particular movie wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't even R-rated or anything or it wasn't full of certain things, but it was just kind of the, the it was very, it was very dark. And, uh, and I, re- I just remember uh, being grieved inside the whole time. Like I'm, I shouldn't be at this. I'm not supposed to be at this movie. I'm not supposed to be here. 
And, uh, and it wasn't, let me say it this way, it wasn't even something that was full of sex and cussing and, 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 and some of that kind of stuff. It wasn't even one of those kind of movies. It was just this dark something about it. And, it, and on the inside, I remember saying, uh, this is not right. There's something not right. I'm not supposed to be, what, fellowshipping with this spirit. Huh? And and some would just blow it off and say, well, it's just entertainment. I realize that's what people aren't going in there trying to fellowship and worship the devil. <laughs> I, and I know, you know, and I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit to everyone and start telling them you can go to this one, you can't go to this one. And, and I'm not going to. But I tell you what, we all, we're all free in Christ. And we, but how many, you know, Galatians says those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. It doesn't say those who don't, who aren't anything are not under the law. The difference in the New Testament is we, we're, we're spirit-led. We're not law-led. So I'm not about to set up a, a, a bunch of rules and say you can't go here, can't do this, can't wear this, can't you know eat this, can't drink this. You know, There's a lot of that going on. Huh? But be led of the Spirit. Because what we do want to have is good fellowship with the Lord and, and enhance that relationship. And in the middle of it, though, you'll recognize... It may be certain music. It may be certain movies. It may be going certain places. It may be some individuals that the Lord will deal with you. You need to back off from this relationship right now. Because they're, they're yielding to the wrong thing. They're involved in the wrong thing. And that's just going to pull you down at a time when you can't be. doesn't mean you give up on the person or don't love them or anything like that. But the Spirit of God will lead you. And ultimately, when we heed that... We are enabled to continue communing with the Lord. But what he said in here is you can't do both. Verse 21, you can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And, and, and so does any of that happen in believers' lives today? I, I think it really does. And what it, it does is it serves to put a callous over someone's heart to where they're neither sensitive to the Lord nor sensitive to dark things. They're just kind of, you know, numb to things. So they'll go and live and, and fellowship with demons, even though they wouldn't say it that way. They don't recognize that that's happening. But they'll fellowship with demons. They'll fellowship with the Lord. But it's all on a real surface level. huh? But how many people... T- have communion or fellowship with the Lord, whether you're talking about the cup and the bread, but they'll do that in church service or something. They'll have communion with the Lord. And then after that, and it'll be, they'll be sincere about it. I don't mean they're just being hypocritical, but, but then they'll go fellowship with demons, not knowing that they're necessarily doing so, but overriding that check. Like, "Mm, this is dark here. This is, this is not right. Okay. There's sources of inspiration for all kinds of things. A lot of it does come out in entertainment um, and, I, and again, entertainment can be a fine thing, uh, but you can, t- you can tell that certain uh, forms of it and certain, whether it's movies or music or different things, you can tell by what's coming out that they're inspired, the writing of it, the so forth, was inspired by spirits of certain types, spirits of certain kinds, whether it's whether it's anger and, and stuff like that or lust and, or, you know, drug use and these kind of things. Because we know real life, those things get a hold of people. Spirits get a hold of people and they twist them and mess them up and they struggle for a very long time. 
I know this would be very unpopular to say this nowadays, but we're in church, we can say whatever we want. But a friend of mine, I remember talking about this one individual who for, for many years was involved in a homosexual relationship, this man, and he testified later because he got free, by the way, that does happen. Uh, and he said he knows the moment it came into him. And he described it that way. He got involved in some things. He opened himself up and this spirit came in him. And then he was bound by it for years and eventually was free from it. So, you know, people can think what they want and say what they want, but there's a reality of life that people struggle with various things and and certain things. And we can just write it all off and say, it's all just flesh or it's all, you know, it's just natural, all these kind of things. There is a spirit world that we would be foolish to ignore. Because so many times people are bound by things and it is spiritual in nature. They began to fellowship with certain spirits. Sometimes unaware, but I tell you what, for the child of God, they always overrode something inside where the Lord was saying, do not go in the backyard. The dog is not friendly. <laughs> or there's a snake in the garden. Stay out. <laughs> he, he, he will. And if we override that, you know, we do so sometimes to our own harm, our own detriment. And, uh, and we need to, to know. You know, James talked about, about individuals who would, about the words of their mouth. And how, how he, he used the examples of a, a, um, like a, a fountain putting out bitter water and sweet water at the same time. Say, so that doesn't make any sense. You know, a person's speaking blessing and speaking cursing. Life and death out of the same place. No, all, there's so many parallels through Scripture. We see uh, that the Lord doesn't want us to go both ways. He wants us to c- commune with Him and resist other things. Hallelujah. Amen. And then it really comes down to this, I think. Uh, we know, this might seem like a diversion a little bit, but it's not. We trust in ourselves and our own experience and ability and smarts and everything else. And I think that's when we fall. That's when take heed lest you fall. But when we know what's in us, we know what we have, it really changes the way we act. It'll change the way, way we deal with stuff. You know, you're a lot more powerful than you probably think you are. There's a lot more in you and I than we oftentimes are conscious of. And, and, and it's only then that we can make, when we recognize that, that we can make a difference. Let me show you, uh, let me show you two things real quick. Two more? Everybody okay with two more? Uh, Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Let me read the first few verses fast. Now Peter and John went up together at the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, uh, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. All right. Notice the language that, uh, that, that Peter used. He said, look at us. And he said, because the guy was looking for money. He was begging. Uh, he wanted money. He said, no, I don't have any money on me, but what I do have, I give you. What I do what? Have. I give. What I have, I give. What if he didn't know he had anything? Then he wouldn't be able to give anything. And what he had was not visible. It was not in his pocket. huh? What he had was not a physical object. Right? But nevertheless, he had it just as much as someone could have something physical. He knew he had it. He knew it was that guy's answer. And he knew he could give it to him. Isn't that powerful? You know you have something. It's spiritual in origin and nature and power. But he knew he had it. <laughs> you know, it's like if you have a, if you have a key. You know, you have, a, you, you have a key. You know you have it. And you know at any time... Because you walk around, you can feel it in your pocket, you know, you can hold it in your hand, you know you could give it away to someone. Temporarily. <laughs> right? Are spiritual things less real than that? Now, they might be to us, but they're not. See, I, I know if I have my keys or not. I mean, I'll check and, oh, I don't have my keys. And if I do, I know I have them. And if I know I have them, I know I have the, the authority, the power, the ability to give them away. But we need to think about spiritual stuff the same way. Peter did. They're walking along and this guy's looking for something. He said, yeah, look up here. I have something. I have something. Can I show it to you? Can I see it? Mm, no, but I can still give it to you. And when I give it to you, you're going to walk. That's way cooler to have that than a car key. You know what I'm talking about? That's way cooler. To be able to carry around stuff with you all the time. And it heals people. It raises up cripples. Huh? It turns someone's life around. What do you have? You have anything? I'm telling you, every one of us that have received the Lord Jesus have something. We have something within us. This is one of the approaches we use in training our healing teams uh, that minister on Sundays after the services. Uh, is we always train not from a position of, I'm going to teach you how to, you know, how to pray real good so God will heal them. No, we teach them from this standpoint to recognize what they have, what is in their current possession as a believer with the name of Jesus, the Word of God, the anointing, and we talk about all these things. I said, so when people come up, you're just going to put it on them. You're going to take what you have and give it to them. And if they will, you know, <laughs> you know, put up your hand flat. You know, sometimes this happens. I say, here, here you go. Oh, receive. Ah, 
Take that, take that, take that. Ah. That's when you, that's when you usually, you know, you want to help someone. What's going on here? What's going on? What's happening? Say this out loud with me. You know, we work with people and try to, try to stir their hearts to, uh, to have an openness or receptivity to God's power so that when you take what you have and give it to them, it stays with them. <laughs> anyway, let me show you that other one. Uh, John 4. John chapter 4. This is uh, Jesus. Now, unless it seems like I, I went a whole different direction here. Again, this goes back to everything. I'm not relying on my own strength or my own experience, my own know-how, my accomplishments. I count that as dung, right, for the excellency of knowing Him. I, I, I need to rely in all areas, temptation-wise, whatever comes against me. I'm relying upon something that He is in me. Something that I have that is not of me. It didn't originate with me. It's not that I just, you know, I acquired it through learning. I acquired it because of His love and grace that's in me perpetually. And it's ever-present. His ability and His strength and His power is ever-present with me in my life. All right? This is true for all of us. In, in Mark, in Jean... John 4, um, Jesus met this woman at the well. Uh, Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Is he talking about a physical substance? No. And then, uh, you know, they talked about, well, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave you this well? Yada, yada, yada. Jesus said to her, uh, verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And, uh, and then he goes on to say, say a bunch of other stuff. But here's the same principle again. Jesus knew that he had something. What? Living water. He had the solution for the thirsty. Not physically thirsty, but for the thirsty and dying soul. He knew he had living water. He said, and if you knew, and if you knew who I was, uh, you could have some. He knew that he could give it away. That's the thing about the anointing and the power of God. I don't mean necessarily all anointings. Like, I can't necessarily give away uh, an anointing that's related to my call. I can't give away a pastoral or teacher anointing, teaching anointing. You know, a prophet can't necessarily just go make someone else a prophet and say, I'm going to, I'm going to, because that's a calling from, that originates with God and uh, the callings come from Him. 
However, when it comes to the anointing of uh, the life of God, living water, healing power, uh, all these type of things, yes, they are uh, possessions of all believers. And one of the things we do in these meetings and others is we try to stir up a consciousness of those spiritual things so that we live with an awareness that we have that. We have that anointing. We have that spirit, that gifting, those things upon us. And when we are conscious of that enough, we know we have something. We'll go through life and we may be walking by someone who's at the gate and the Spirit of God, you know, like the beautiful gate, Spirit of God quickens us and we realize I can give that person what I have. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if we lived our lives that way where we were, we were conscious of that that we have something as much as we could have keys in our hand, as much as I have this and I could give it away, I have living water in me. I have the Spirit of God. I have anointing. I have something that fixes people who are downtrodden. Hmm. So what if they don't need a healing? What if they're really dis- dis- discouraged? You have the life of God in you. You have, and it may come out in wisdom, it may come out in encouragement, and it may come out in tangible anointing, it may come out in different ways, but you have it, I have it, and I want to recognize that, you know, and, and live that way, so I, when opportunity arises, can give it to people, and the cool thing about it, like, if I give my keys away, they're gone, but <laughs> the things of God... You give them away and they increase in you. <laughs> you know, you give them away, wait, it's still there. You give it away and there, oh, there it is, it's still there. And I can keep giving it away, keep giving it away, keep giving it away, keep giving it away. And there's something about faithfulness in God that causes increase. Amen. Praise God. And so, so tonight, I think that's good. I'm happy about this. I don't know. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's, let's keep ourselves stirred up and, uh, and be conscious all day. If you need to, you know, do something practical. Write yourself a note. <laughs> you know, keep something in your pocket that's like not something that would normally be there. And every time you, you feel it, you realize, oh yeah, I've got something to give away here. Can't be seen, can't be, you know, handled in that sense. But it's nonetheless just as real. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And think about it when we got all these distribution points. Distributors of God's grace and love and power. And we're just giving giving stuff away. Man, they give you free stuff over there. Yeah. They're so nice. They give you free stuff. We do. We do. Say, that kind of puts us on the spot if we talk like that, huh? Yeah. But the reality is no big deal because... God's backing us up. You know, people attack you, they attack Jesus. And uh, like we talked about recently, if they receive you, they receive Him. Who sent you? Amen.